it is time for Wake Up to the Word. So glad you are with us. It is Old Testament Thursday. Wake Up to the Word with my coffee, my stack of stuff. Speaking to you from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. I am pushing my own dials, my own switches, heaving my own levers, toggling my own toggles. And here we are. The coffee of the day is, I uh, found another brand of, um, oh, I'm having a mental block. The, um, It's called Loyalty Roast, a uh, black, black, uh, um, the veteran coffee. <laughs> Why am I having such a mental block? I just had it. Uh, so, uh, I can't, I can't think of it. Maybe it'll come to me. <laughs> Old age. Here you go. <laughs> Coming up on me. <laughs> All right. So, our reading for this week for... The 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th is Numbers 5 through 12. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh my goodness. It just goes on and on and on. But there's some good stuff in here. And we're coming up on more good stuff. So uh, keep on reading. This is exciting. Let's, Let's get ready to rumble! All right, we're going to run right into the word here. We got the chapter 5, and uh, this is talking about unclean people. And I'm going to read you this little segment. And uh, remember, God's talking to them. Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a skin disease. It's the same Hebrew word for a lot of different diseases, but... Uh, leprous or as a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead you shall put both uh bo put out both male and female putting them outside the camp that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which i dwell and the people of israel did so and put them outside the camp as the lord said to moses so the people of israel did this is a, a cool parallel. It seems harsh. It seems, uh, you know, very legalistic. Uh, but there's a cool parallel here uh, between Israel and the church. And I'm not saying the church is Israel, and I'm not saying Israel is the church. But there's a, a, a cool, this is a, a physical, uh, under-the-law rule for Israel and the individual camps. And we look at a spiritual equivalent uh, for the church and the individual fellowships. Um, uh, there's a great parallel there between the church and people infiltrating the church that are bringing um, uh, disease, spiritually speaking, uh, or they've been uh, influenced by 
the spiritually dead, the people uh, in the world who are spiritually sick and spiritually dead, and they're bringing that influence into the church, and we are supposed to stay separated from them. It's a great parallel to think about, and uh, these kind of things uh, come up in conversations when you talk about uh, the chapters in the New Testament, when it starts talking about church discipline and going to people who are in sin and, and speaking with them and helping them to get in on a right path. And uh, they go out in here, they have to leave the camp. And so it's the same kind of thing is, is when people are uh, out of fellowship, living in sin, and you go to them and they're not repentant, they're not being spiritually cleansed through the repentant uh, repenting of their behavior, um, you know, there's a process here in the Old Testament for being cleansed and being restored. And in the even in the church, there's a process for being cleansed and restored spiritually. Starts with repentance. It starts with uh, being humble uh, before the before the body and uh, before the uh, leaders before and and coming back into fellowship. And that's just cool stuff. And I love the parallel. I love the consistency. We see it as as a, a law in the Old Testament. It's a principle in the New Testament for the church fellowship. Cool stuff. Uh, right away, next very next paragraph, uh, confession and restitution. There's an interesting thing that happens here. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel when a man or a woman commits any of the sins that the people commit by breaking faith with the Lord. And that person realizes guilt he shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him to whom he did wrong. And so at uh, first when I read this, I was like, uh, well, if you do something wrong to somebody, you got to give them whiskey, a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> Yeah, sorry, not, not 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 funny. I hit the not funny button. Yeah, yeah not, not good at all. But you know, it says it says adding a fifth. So, but that's a that's a a, a percentage of of tithe. It's a percentage of uh, giving back when you when you give your um, restitution. It says add a fifth to it. You're supposed to to go over and above. And so. Uh, uh, that's that uh, restitution process. If you do something wrong and it costs somebody something, you're supposed to make that right. And so that's what that's about. So um, there's a test for adultery here, and uh, I'm going to get into this a little bit only because I've heard people ask this question. Someone actually went to uh, Stacy, my wife, and asked her uh, about this passage. Um, I don't know, within the last several months, that uh, there's an abortion passage in Scripture. And uh, this is the place uh, they're referring to, and this is uh, Numbers chapter 5, and uh, it is not talking about abortion. And uh, just so we're clear right up front, but I'm going to say where the confusion happens. The first part of this passage, uh, uh, verses 11 through um, all the way over to... all the way down to 15 and uh then it said then then uh it talks about if suspect the man suspects the his the woman his wife is um is has been with somebody else it says the priest shall make her take an oath 
saying, if no man is lame with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness while you were under your husband's authority, be free from this water of bitterness. And that's important because, um, but if you have gone astray, let me see, I got to go back. Uh, <clears throat> here it says, uh, sorry, 16 and 17. Let me go backwards. Beep, beep, beep. I don't have the horn for that one. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water in an earthenware vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it in the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head and place in her hands the grain offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy. And in his hand the priest shall have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Okay, then the priest shall make her take an oath. And so then it goes through this oath process and they take the oath and she drinks the waters. And uh, let me get down to uh, then the priest 21. Then the priest let the priest make the woman take the oath of the curse and say to the woman, the Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people. When the Lord makes your thigh fall away. Here's the here's the verses that that uh, sound like it's more than it is. Thigh fall away and your body swell. May this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels and make your womb swell and your thighs fall away. And the woman shall say, Amen and Amen. Then the priest shall write these curses in the book and wash them off into the water of bitterness. And he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings the curse. And the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain. And the priest shall take the grain offering jealousy out of the woman's hand, wave the grain offering before the Lord, and bring it to the altar. So, um, then it goes down, it says, and, uh, and, uh, make the woman drink the water. This is 27 now. And when he has made her drink the water, that if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the waters that bring the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain and her womb shall swell and her thighs shall fall away, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive children. So it sounds like it's saying that these waters are doing something and that the priests uh, have actually caused the, ba the, to the baby to be aborted. Uh, but what it's, the, the words, the Hebrew words here, uh, as we go up Yarak in in the uh, up up at the top in the thighs to fall away, is not a, a specific word to a woman. It's it's a, both used for men and for 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 men and for women, and so that's not it's not a, a woman specific term. And then even where it's a translated womb, that word is betan, and uh, that's can mean uh, the belly, the abdomen, the body. And it can mean a womb, but it is a very generic word. And so, uh, and what what you notice is that what's created this water is this the the holy water, the water, the, the prayed, purified water, and dust from the floor. Uh, this is not some magic potion that they put together, and the grain offering wave. This is uh, this is something that they're praying, and they're bringing God into it. And the the woman is um is is actually getting a spiritual curse for her adultery.
And if she hasn't had adultery, then there's no problem. Then she then she doesn't get the swelling and she doesn't get she doesn't get the curse and all the whole thing. But you see, God is the catalyst here because there's an oath made and there's a prayer made and it's before the Lord. And the woman is cooperative through the whole thing. Um, and and so uh, this is not an and even if even if uh, the waters of bitterness, the bitter waters, is some kind of potion that causes uh, this um, abortion to take place. Uh, that this is the so-called abortion. Even if it is that, which it's so loosely written that there's no way to, to definitively say that it is. But even if it is, uh, this is a punishment it's 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 not a voluntary thing this is a punishment for sin and so we need to understand how we're looking at that so um and make sure that when someone comes to us and says well even the bible says that that there's uh there's a grounds for an abortion it, it's 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 not it's it's that's not what it's saying to begin with and even if it was it's punishment it's a curse not a right. It's a curse. And so um, then we get to the Nazarite vow. And this is for, uh, um, again, uh, the Lord comes to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of the Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself so they don't drink wine anymore. They they uh, don't cut their hair any longer. They, they don't eat uh, anything from the grapes at all. They don't drink grape juice. They don't drink grapes. They don't eat raisins. They don't eat anything. Um, um, they don't cut their hair. They don't get near the dead. And uh, so all of these things is, is a Nazarite vow. It's a, it's a separating themselves. Um, and then, it, then we come to Aaron's blessing. And uh, uh, this is something you'll recognize, the blessing of Aaron. The Lord said, speak to Aaron and his sons that you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And so then we get to the offering for the tabernacle and all the, the tribes, um, uh, these are these are um, Levitical uh, Levitical uh, clans, and you'll see that they have twelve days that they are going to make um, offerings. As you go through the chapter, it's you know the first day is um, Nashon brings the offering on the second day. Nathaniel brings the offering on the third day. Eliab brings the offering on the fourth day. Elizer fifth day. Shalom, Shalumiel, and uh, the sixth day, Eliasaph, Elishama on the seventh day, Gamaliel on the eighth day, Abaddon on the ninth day, tenth day, Ahazer, the seventh day, Pegiel on the on the twelfth day, Ahira, and that's that's all of them, and then uh, there's a cool thing. Uh, 
little note that um, comes here, and it reference back to the Jeff stack of stuff a few weeks back when I talked about uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Um, trying to remember where it was, but the picture of it that uh, is is drawn on one of the sites that I gave you in uh, the. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Wyatt, uh, Wyatt, Ron Wyatt's uh, site, uh, where the picture of the of the Ark of the Covenant was, but uh, verse eighty nine of chapter seven, and when Moses went into the tent of meetings to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat. Uh, that was on the Ark of the Testimony, from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. So it's. Uh, Remember when I told you that the Ark of the Covenant, there's two angels on uh, on either side, um, statuesque angels that are on the Ark of the Covenant that are on the sides, and their wings touch. And we see the picture of the wings touching, and there's four wings, two on each side, touching each other. But Ron Wyatt, who says he saw the Ark of the Covenant in its hiding place, uh, and this makes more sense to me because that that Ark of uh, that um, ark is uh, the seat, is the mercy seat. So the top of the ark would be a seat. The, there's two wings coming across, touching each other behind, and then the other ones come out as like arms. So the ones that are in the back are actually the seat. So this makes sense that it's speaking to him, the voice is coming to him from sitting on the seat. And so there, God is sitting on the seat, the mercy seat of the ark speaking to Moses. Um, so th that's just a cool picture. It, there's like a verbal picture going on there. Uh, let me see what I got now in chapter 8. Cleansing of the Levites. Uh, take the Levites from the people and cleanse them. There's an interesting thing. This one is, I never noticed this one. Thus you should, uh, um, you should do to them. This is verse 5 in chapter 8. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm on verse 7 now. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them, sprinkle the water of purification upon them, and let them go with a razor over all of their body and wash their clothes and cleanse themselves. So they shaved all the hair off of their body, kind of like swimmers do today. They, they totally shave down to do their swimming. I just found that interesting. Never noticed it before. Um, then there's the... Uh, uh, Levites, it says uh, down at verse 23 of the same chapter, chapter 8, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this applies to the Levites from 25 years old and upward because he's just creating the Levitical priesthood now. He says from the 25 years old and upward, they shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting and from the age of 50 years they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, and they shall do no service. Thus shall you do the Levites in assigning their duty. So the Levites' service was 25 years at the most. Starting off, they took all of them, 25, all the way up to 50, <clears throat> and they started to serve. But at 50, they got to leave that service and then be advisors and watchmen over the things that the Levites did. And remember, we talked about the Levites. They were, they guarded things and they were the ones that, that uh, moved the tabernacle. And so uh, these, these were men who did uh, diligent hard work. And so 
um, they were, uh, they were uh, you know, robust people. And so this was hard work. 25 years, and God says, enough duty to do that. And then you become an advisor and a watchman over, over those things. So that's cool. Um, then Passover celebration, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. Keep reminding us, this is where we are. We haven't, we haven't gotten through things yet. And so they, uh, that they would do, uh, keep the Passover on that day. And they came to before Moses and Aaron. Uh, there's other things I wanted to talk about here. Um, and the uh, Israel leaves Sinai in the second year, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month. Uh, they moved off by stages. We'll get to more of that when we get to uh, chapter 33. Um, a lot in depth there. Um, and I'm going to get to the manna, okay? This is an interesting part in chapter 11. Um, chapter 11, the people complain. Uh, so the people complain uh, in hearing that the Lord about the misfortunes and, and when the people heard this, his anger was kindled. When the Lord heard this, his anger was kindled and the fire from the Lord burned among them, consumed some of them out, outlying the parts of the camp. Uh, then the people cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Teberah uh, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Um, let me come down a little bit. Um, they were upset because uh, now the rabble that ha that was among them had strong cravings, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, "Oh, what have we? What? A, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing: the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now." Uh, our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of bedellium. The people went about gathering it, ground it hand meal and beat it in mortar and boiled it in pots and made cakes and it tastes like taste of cakes of baked oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. It's an interesting thing. And then you go to Jeff's stack of stuff. And uh, I got a link there for you. And uh, manna looks like coriacin seed. Uh, corias, cor, coria, what is it? Coriander seed. I'd never heard of coriander seed, but apparently it still exists today. Coriander seed. And uh, I got a picture of it there for you in Jeff's stack of stuff. And uh, you can see it there. And I linked an article that talks about what is manna in the Bible. And it talks about this particular passage that we're talking about. But other ones where it says that um, the manna uh, uh, looks like coriander seed and tastes like honey wafers. And um, so it's a good article. It's a history of the manna in that uh, there's actually, uh, when we uh, do have the Ark of the Covenant restored, um, there's actually a jar of it uh, in there. Uh, so the manna disappeared as, uh, as um, Israel got to the promised land. They, got, they had manna every day, except for the Sabbath, every day. Uh, until they got to the promised land and then the manna stopped and so 
and there really hasn't been any since. So it's really compared to a bread of heaven. You'll see that in the article I have here. It's a bread of heaven, the corn of heaven, angel's food, spiritual meat. There's lots of terms that are used, um, but it's, uh, it's sustenance. It's heavenly sustenance that they had. And the last part I want to talk about, uh, what do we got for time here? Uh, we're doing good. The last part I wanted to talk about here is elders appointed to aid Moses. And this is in uh, chapter 11 and verse uh, verse 16. And the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there, and I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And then we get down to 25 of chapter 11, and it says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. So that's some cool stuff, and particularly the number, and connected to the number 70, if we go all the way back to uh, Genesis, and uh, we get to the nations, the listing of nations, uh, there were the 70 nations that came out, that are listed, that came out of, of Babel, and there's that 70 number that comes up, and this is the full balance of elders uh, that comes out, and this was the number of rebelling spirits that uh, uh, came out from the uh, divine council that that were given over to the nations that rebelled against God, and we're going to talk about that when we get to uh, Deuteronomy in the next chapter. We'll talk about that a little more, but this number, I just want to bring it to your attention again, that this number is important, this 70 number, because it's going to be repeated in other places, and I wanted you to be accounted for it. Um, there's a, a little note. I'm going to end with this. And I know I said I was going to end with the last thing, but I'm going to end with this. Um, the people got upset with, uh, uh, not the people, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he married. Uh, he, had, he had not married someone who was an Israelite. <clears throat> now, then it says in chapter 3, I mean verse 3 of chapter 12, Now the man Moses was very meek, more, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Um, uh, do you know who wrote that? Um, oh, oh yeah, Moses wrote that. Um, okay. <laughs> and suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, Come out, you three to the tent of meetings. And the three of them came out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And so, you know, some bad stuff happens there to Miriam, and then uh, 
they repent of that. And so, but just the cool thing that uh, he, Moses and, and God speak together face to face, mouth to mouth. They, and uh, just there's so many descriptions of that, this unique uh, prophet God relationship that went on with Moses. And that's just very cool. Um, I just wanted to celebrate something else. We've made it to a thousand, a thousand uh, episodes that we've li- people have listened to. And that is awesome. A thousand, over a thousand, or a thousand four at the last count. And we've added a country that has either gone to the website or listened to the podcast. So we're five countries now. United States, Mexico, Canada, United Kingdom, and Romania. Romania has popped on. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know who. But uh, welcome, Romania, uh, and all the other countries that are listening in. I'm just excited about all of that, and uh, hope you keep on listening. This has been Wake Up to the Word, and uh, we are so glad you're here. We will be back tomorrow. Yes, Arnold, we will be back, and we thank you very much to the studio audience. That does not exist, and we will see you tomorrow for New Testament. Friday.